Amen. All right. Well, I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm assistant uh, associate pastor here, and um, uh, that was great, uh, you guys, uh, getting us ready for day camp. Day camp has been Bethel Christian Fellowship's biggest outreach year after year after year, and God has used it mightily over the years. I, my kids are a little old for day camp, but they are all helping out with day camp, and they are so excited for it to come. So, well, so uh, today what we're going to do is uh, I, I had another sermon planned, and then uh, it was going to be on Exodus. Again, we, we were still marching through the book of Exodus, and uh, we were uh, almost ready for the Ten Commandments. But uh, then two weeks ago, I heard this amazing sermon that some of us got to hear from Pastor Ben called uh, Connecting the Disconnected. And it was, it was so, uh, while I was listening to the sermon, it felt very clear to me that God wanted an exclamation point added to that message. And uh, so God led me to write this, uh, put together this other sermon. And so that's, so today we have the very creative title of Connecting the Disconnected Part 2. So... We'll uh, put those up on uh, PowerPoint now. All right, Connecting the Disconnected, Part 2. So, this is my my first time here with uh, one of these guys, so we'll see how this works. I I, I tell you, you guys can pray for me. Uh, I I only got a couple hours of sleep last night. I was camping with my family. My family still camping, came back early. Uh, But I only got a couple hours of sleep because there was a raccoon immediately outside of my tent door and my, my tent door is right up next to the, where, I don't know why we left the, the food there. And the raccoon was getting in the food. Like, so starting about 2 in the morning, I just crinkle, crinkle, rustle, rustle. And there was the raccoon. He and I were feet away from each other. And anyway, so who knows how this is going to go. I'm amped up on caffeine, and hopefully the Holy Spirit's going to show up. So, All right. <clears throat> so uh, uh, in order to get to part two of this message, I want to remind us of what Pastor Jim talked about, or sorry, Pastor Ben talked about two weeks ago in uh, his first part of connecting the, the disconnected. Um, many of us were gone. Uh, that was a 4th of July weekend, and so uh, it's, it's really important for us to, to kind of remind ourselves uh, about that. So <clears throat> Pastor Ben had three points uh, in, his, in his message, connecting the disconnected, and the first one was, um, this is my first time using this guy too, so we'll see how this goes. Um, All right, oh, hey, that would be a good thing, wouldn't it? Amen, thank you. All right, now we'll see how it goes. Oh, there it is, okay. Woo! All right, power. Okay. All right, might not be connected. It's working, okay, all right. So, Pastor Ben... Uh, made three important points in his message, and I want to remind us what those points are. The first one was that uh, disconnection is and is a common human experience. Uh, those of you who are with us two weeks ago, remember Pastor Ben asked us who in the last six months has felt disconnected from either this body or from other people, and probably 95% of us raised our hands. If you were here, do you guys just nod your head to... Show me you were you remember that. Uh, Pastor Ben pointed out to us that uh, uh, pretty much everybody goes through a season of feeling disconnected, especially feeling disconnected from other believers. And uh, this his, Pastor Ben's message had come out of a season 
of talking to many, many people here in the congregation and person after person saying, I feel so disconnected. And, uh, you know, I was having a lot of those same conversations with a lot of other people during the same season and noticing a theme, person after person telling me also, I just feel so disconnected. And uh, so Pastor Ben wanted to remind us, first of all, that disconnection is a common human experience, not just uh, held by a few, not just experienced by a few, but it's a very common human experience. And it wasn't just fringe people who were telling us this. These were sort of, you know, inner circle people, people who, if we looked at them in the congregation, we would say, I bet that person is feeling really, really connected. And turns out they weren't feeling really, really connected. So that's really important for us. It kind of takes away some of the stigma, some of the shame when we realize I'm one of many, many people who are feeling disconnected right now. Uh, The second thing Pastor Ben told us uh, two weeks ago was that, there we go, uh, he told us that disconnection is actually at its root a spiritual problem. At its root, it's a spiritual problem. Now, this means a lot of different things, that it's a spiritual problem. The first thing it means is uh, that the whole Bible's story is actually all about disconnection and reconnection, or if you think about it, right? So the whole Bible, it starts out with what? It starts out with Adam and Eve being disconnected from God and then disconnected with one another. And then the climax of the story is when we get reconnected to God and with one another through Jesus Christ. Uh, so the whole story is about disconnection and reconnection. When we say it's a spiritual problem, we also mean that uh, part of the big biblical story is that there is this general brokenness all through creation that impacts our relationships. Uh, this general brokenness, it's sort of starting with Adam and Eve, there's this brokenness that has kind of entered, infiltrated every single part of reality and now it's kind of baked into reality. Has anyone ever um, seen tornado damage uh, at, just after the tornado, before they've started cleaning up? Some of you have, have, have witnessed that. And everything is broken. Everything is crushed. And that's, that's a lot of, that's the spiritual reality of our world. Uh, and, and, we're, and of course, that's going to affect our relationships, isn't it? Uh, the, the brokenness of the world exerts an enormous amount of pressure on our relationships and impacts uh, the, the brokenness of our relationships. So, so when we have broken relationships and we're feeling disconnected, it's not just us. It's not just something I'm going through. We're actually uh, sort of almost victims, you could say, of the general brokenness uh, around us. We also, when we say disconnection is a spiritual problem, we are also meaning another thing, which is There are, as part of this brokenness, there are spiritual forces, the Bible calls them powers and principalities, spiritual forces in the universe, uh, in in the world around us, that exist to um, keep us, oops, there we go, back. There are spiritual forces that uh, are working to sort of spread the brokenness, or increase the brokenness, or deepen the brokenness, or get us more... Uh, to, to kind of live out of that, that brokenness. Um, years and years ago, those of us in this congregation who are really involved in the, the prayer life of the congregation, who pray regularly and who, who often hear from God uh, and discern from God, uh, discerned, there, there's a, for lack of a better 
name, we, we, we started praying that, uh, sort of identifying one of these spirits that seems to regularly aff- afflict Bethel Christian Fellowship, uh, for lack of a better phrase, calling it a spirit of separation or a spirit of divorce. And by that, I don't mean necessarily causing people to get divorced, but there's a, a way that it, it sort of, uh, what this, this spirit does is it gets us to disconnect, gets us to isolate from one another, gets us to pull away from one another as kind of a solution to our relationship problems. When, so when things get rough, when things get challenging, we just, we just uh, something, the spirit sort of influences us to kind of pull away from each other. Um, another uh, spiritual force, another one of these powers and principalities that's been discerned over the, over the decades here at Bethel is something we've come to call the orphan spirit. And of course, that comes out of the idea that many orphans, uh, not all, of course, but many of them because of the sense of being abandoned, uh, they sort of live out of this kind of insecurity even into adulthood. And of course, that's gonna impact relationships too, right? When you're living out of that insecurity, often people with that kind of, uh, kind of a, a lens of I've been abandoned, they sort of see life through that lens. And, and when that is the case, sometimes they'll, some, some of those people will preemptively reject other people. You guys know what I mean by that? Preemptively reject like, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to reject them before they can reject me, so I'm not going to get hurt as badly. Uh, or, on the other hand, some people who live out of this orphan spirit will uh, sort of inappropriately cling to people uh, in, in a way that uh, is, it's, it's too much. It's, it's more than intimacy. They're, they're clinging in a way that's in, inappropriate because they're afraid of, of the rejection. Um, and so, uh, in, in addition, so, so anyway, we called it, we've been calling this for years this orphan spirit. And, uh, and th- those are two sort of powers and principalities that seem to regularly afflict Bethel Christian Fellowship, and we've been praying about for years and years. Um, so we shouldn't be surprised when we're here at Bethel Christian Fellowship that those might be influencing us in some way. Uh, now, here's a little, a little important tool of discernment. If you're wondering, was that just me, or what, have I been influenced by some uh, power or principality of, of darkness. One discernment tool is this, is if your emotional reaction is bigger than what just happened. Does that, does that make sense? So let's, let's just uh, say you're in the lobby and somebody who normally greets you uh, is walking by and they accidentally don't see you one Sunday morning. Does that, does that make sense? So they're walking by and, and normally you'd say, oh, hi, you know, or they would say hi to you and, and they just, they're looking the other way when they walk by. And, you know, it's probably nothing. They just forgot. They were busy. They were focused on something else. But in your heart, you feel like, oh, my goodness, they just snubbed me. They, they just purposely ignored me. What's going on? And then you go home, and you're, you're thinking about it, and, and you're feeling rejected, and you even start wondering, maybe I should leave Bethel Christian Fellowship because it's not this safe place. So-and-so snubbed me this morning, okay? Does that... Does that make sense? That, that's a sign that there's probably a power principality at work on you uh, because your reaction is bigger than what just happened. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Okay. Um, now, of course, these powers and principalities would have no influence on us, and the general brokenness that's baked into creation would have no influence on us if it weren't also for the fact that the image of God in us has been shattered. Now, we are all created in the image of God. 
But since Adam and Eve, that image of Christ in us has been shattered, and so it's, it's now a broken image. And, it, and as you can imagine, when you've got uh, a, a you know, broken uh, mirror, what, what happens to your reflection when you look into a broken mirror? You're, you, you don't see a clear reflection of yourself coming back, do you? You see a twisted and bent uh, light coming back, Right? All of us are like that. We're walking, we're these walking broken images of God with little shards of brokenness poking out and we're all rubbing up against each other, right? And what, what's going to happen when my brokenness bumps up against your brokenness? It's going to be more brokenness, right? More slivers, more shards, all rubbing up against each other. That's, that's the state that we're in because of this inner brokenness. So there's this outer brokenness, there's these uh, uh, powers and principalities influencing us in the brokenness. There's this inner brokenness. And so sometimes what the inner brokenness means is that sometimes sin, our own sin is at play when we have uh, disconnection with somebody. Now, we've got to be careful with this because just because you're feeling alienated, just because you're feeling isolated, just because you're feeling disconnected, don't, you shouldn't assume, well, that's my sin. I must be at fault. Um, because sometimes there's all these other things at play. Right? So don't automatically go to, it must be me. But at the same time, don't automatically not go <laughs> to, uh, it must be my sin, because most of us are pretty blinded to our own sin, aren't we? Mo- most of us don't even recognize when our sin is at play. And so don't, don't assume it's not your sin. Go ahead and do the work of examining yourself, letting the Holy Spirit peer into you and see if maybe my sin did impact the disconnection I'm experiencing right now. Okay? All right. So that, that, was, a, uh, that was a kind of, uh, I took Pastor Ben's point and expanded it a little bit. I hope you'll forgive me on that one. But uh, it's not word for word what Pastor Ben said last, or two weeks ago. The third thing Pastor Ben said to us two weeks ago is that... Um, See, I'm supposed to wow you with this exciting uh, thing here, but all right. That's it. Oh, thank you. There, there it is. Whoa, thank you. I got the wow. All right. That's what I was going for was a wow. All right. <laughs> um, all right. The third thing he said to us is that God uses the disconnection in our lives. So even though the disconnection might be the result of sin, it might be the result of the brokenness in the world around us, might be these powers and principalities, God still uses it sovereignly in our, in our lives. It spurs us on to seek God. It's often, often we don't feel a need to seek God until we feel the emptiness that happens because of our broken relationships. Uh, and it, it causes us to look to God for the solutions and the answers to that brokenness, doesn't it? Uh, ask him to help us fix those. So, um, so that's, that's all. Thank you, Pastor Ben. That was... Uh, that was, uh, that, was, that was from Pastor Ben. But that's important. We go over that. Now, uh, so this week, we, we, we kind of get a little glimpse on, the, on what disconnection is. But here's a really important question we have to ask ourselves. And that question is, what is connection? What is, what is connection? We kind of know what disconnection is and what might cause disconnection. But what is connection. We kind of have to define that 
uh, before we can talk about you know how how are we going to get better at connection. Um, so so uh, let, let me let me just ask you to imagine for a minute when was a time in your life when you felt deeply connected. Just think about it. Some of you might have to go way back to childhood. When was a time when you felt deeply connected? Now, I, 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 should, I should clarify this phrase, deeply connected, because what I really should be talking about is connected in a healthy way, right? Because sometimes deep connection isn't always healthy, right? I don't know if anyone's ever experienced the heartbreak of a connection that was deep, but it wasn't healthy, all right? Um, we, we call this, psychologists call that getting fused with each other. Uh, if, if, um, you, as you can imagine, so two people form a deep connection, but what's actually happening is they're fusing and kind of inappropriately uh, becoming uh, connected in a way that God didn't actually intend for. Um, and that, that's, when that happens, that's actually bordering on a form of idolatry, where we are actually looking to the other person to meet needs that only God could meet. Uh, and so we're not really after deep for its own sake. What we're really after is, is, is healthy. Um, so, uh, and, and, and some of us have gotten fused, not just with other people, but some of us have gotten fused with toxic people, right? Toxic people, people who are poisonous to you, who drag you down, who drag you away from God. Now, by toxic, I, I'm not talking about irritating and annoying. Okay? Irritating and annoying is something else. God brought irritating and annoying people into your life. All right? God didn't bring toxic people into your life. Irritating, annoying uh, people, God brought there to hone you and transform you, and he's got all kinds of things on his agenda for bringing irritating and annoying people. But toxic people are people... Th this is... Let me explain what I, what I mean by this. Um, uh, it, the, the way to discern if... You're, the way to discern if you're fused or not is, is this. Um, a healthy connection frees us up to entirely keep God's two big relational commands. Two big relational commands. Now, we know what those are because Jesus made them really, really clear what they are. Uh, the first one, and most important relationship of all, is to... And here it comes, I'm sure. All right. <clears throat> Thank you. Is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, love others as God loves you. All right. Now, uh, this, uh, you might think I was about to say love God as, uh, as or sorry, love others as your, um, love your neighbor as uh, much as you love yourself. Um, and Jesus quoted that from the Old Testament, but he actually expanded on that. And a couple different times he said, actually, we're not just to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. We're actually to love others, even our enemies, as he loves us. That's an even higher call, an even higher demand. It says that in uh, John chapter 13, verse 34, and also in John 15, verse 12. And then Paul repeats that a couple times in his uh, letter to the Ephesians. And so... Um, what, in, a, in an unhealthy connection, in an unhealthy connection, we are actually prevented from keeping these two great commands. But a healthy connection will free you up 
to keep these commands. All right, so that's, this is really critical to try to, when you're trying to, to discern, is this a healthy relationship or an unhealthy relationship, you've got to ask the question, is this relationship freeing me up so I can keep these commands more and more wholeheartedly, more diligently, more fully, more consistently, or is it hindering me in some way or other? That's, that is the, that's the, the, the critical discernment test for us in a healthy versus an unhealthy uh, connection. So this is, this is really important, you guys. If we're talking about connecting the disconnected, we're not just after connection, are we? Because connection, it might feel deep, but it might not be healthy. It might be idolatrous, potentially. We're talking about healthy connection that frees us up to serve God in his two big relational commands. And part of the reason why I, I, I want to just clarify this at this point, the second one, love others as God loves you, how many people know that when you're loving somebody the way God loves you, it might not be the way they want to feel your love? Does, does that make sense? Other people often want to feel love from you in a way that's not how God loves us. All right? Some, some people, and, and you can, there's a hundred different ways this happens, so you can kind of let your imagination go. But, and, and how many have ever been in a situation of, if you really loved me, you would da 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 it's not really how God loves us. If, if there's some demand on you, you really loved me, you would, da, 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 da. That's, that's not necessarily how God loves us. So important to keep that in mind. All right. So now that we've clarified that, I want to give us, I want to just briefly talk about three things that we can do to help and enhance our healthy connections, not just deep connections, but healthy connections. The first one, I'm going to get really practical. Are you guys okay with practical? This is not going to sound spiritual. I promise you. It's not going to sound spiritual. So, all right. Here it is. You're going to hate me afterwards, but here it is. <clears throat> Number one, improve your relational skills. Improve. Relationships take skills. I don't know if you knew that. It's super basic, but a lot of us think that relationships happen magically. They don't. They take skills. I'm going to get even more practical here when I give you some examples. Things like smiling. Smiling. That's a relationship skill that God wants you to use. How many, so, so many of us find, for, for example, so many people, I hear this all the time, you know, oh, I hate work. One of the reasons we, some of us hate work is not because of the actual work. It's because when you walk into the room with your coworkers, nobody smiles at you, right? If you, you look at them and there's this dead, uh, and there may be even a little drooling. You could, be, you, could be, you could be dead and it would feel like they wouldn't care whether I'm here or not. There's no sense of like, I'm glad that you're here with us today, all right? How, just nod your head if that is anything like your experience ever, a few of you, okay? So... Smiling, and it's actually up to us. A lot of people think like, well, I'm in a church, so I don't have to have relational skills. They have to have relational skills. Guess what? You have to have relational skills too, including smiling. So when people, when you're greeting people, I, and, and most of you are great at this, but when you're even greeting people here, or people coming in the door instead of like, hello, welcome to Beth Hookers. Hi. It's, it makes a huge difference. So smiling, it's a relational skill that God, it's spiritual, you guys. It's spiritual. 
Um, things like um, things like eye contact. Now, I know some cultures, it's, you, you got to be careful about this because some of the cultures who are here, uh, um, you, you, you don't always give everybody eye contact, especially if there's a perceived uh, difference in status. But, but in, in many cases, uh, especially in America, eye contact is really positive. So what it's saying is, I actually see you, I notice you, I acknowledge you. Okay? Um, here's one, remembering people's names. I just stepped on some toes. Mm. So now, almost every day, somebody says to me, oh, I'm just so terrible at names. Guys, let's get good at remembering people's names. That is a, it's, a, it's like a muscle that it starts out really small, but if you work at it, if you work at it, you get better at it, you can do it, you and I can do this. What happens to you when somebody who you recently met remembers your name and you, you're surprised. Like, what happens to your heart? You're like, oh, they remembered my name, all right? Think of the atmosphere, how the atmosphere would change if we actually worked on remembering each other's names. We have this amazing mobile app now with, uh, as, as people come in, uh, uh, Liz keeps it really well updated, and you can look up what their name is if you forget. It is, anyway, we just don't have excuses anymore to forget people's names. Um, other relationship skills, like warmth, all right? Humor, injecting humor into things. Um, uh, remembering when, when somebody comes into the room that they have needs and being aware of those needs. Or, you know, just showing hospitality, not just in your own home, but just showing hospitality wherever you're at. Oh, you want to see, can I get you some water? You know, little, little things like that. Um, relationship skills like validation. Validation goes so far. Validation isn't the same as agreement. You can still disagree with people, but you can validate, you know, the common human experience. That must have been really hard that you felt when that happened to you. Wow. Um, validations that express empathy. Empathy makes everybody feel welcome. Uh, makes it humanizes all of us. Uh, here's an important relationship, relationship skill. Both and thinking. Both and thinking. What do I mean by that? Most of the time, a lot of us think either-or thinking. We, we have either-or ways of thinking about people when they do something that we don't understand. So that earlier example, somebody snub, you think somebody snubs you out in the, in the fellowship hall here, or, uh, and, and, and you're thinking, oh, they, they just snubbed me. Um, we often go to either-or thinking. Either they would have greeted me warmly, or they're a monster. All right, that's either or thinking. Both and thinking is, uh, you know, that kind of hurt that they forgot. Uh, but I, I, I remember they're human and, and maybe I forget to read every, everybody every, many weeks. So let me cut them a little slack. So both and thinking, you're, you're assuming other people are as complex as you are. Okay? Um, is, is this okay I got really practical like this, you guys? Okay, now comes the spiritual stuff. You guys will get the angry emails for the first part of this email. Hopefully, this will help you forget that. All right. The second important thing about reconnecting to disconnected is... Um, here we go. All right. Um, submit. Did I skip over one? I, I did. Oh, yeah. Sorry. This is supposed to exhibit relationship skills. People are smiling. Look at that. Woo! They're interacting. They're enjoying each other. Okay. That was my illustration. Um, next thing is you want to submit your relationship 
There we go. Submit your relationships to Jesus's lordship. Submit your relationships to Jesus's lordship. Now, I mean two things when I say submit your relationships to Jesus's lordship. First of all, I mean commit your relationships to his glory and his kingdom for his sake, his purpose, and his agenda. It means you're, you're letting him dictate how the relationship is going to go. Now, that's really critical because a lot of us, we want that deep connection, but a lot of us are entering into the pursuit of a connection for idolatry's sake. So a lot of us have an idolatrous motive when we want to be deeply connected. Things like fun. Now, I love fun. I find unfun relationships not fun, and I don't like them. <laughs> I always want to insert fun into all of my relationships. But by itself, fun can become an idol. Does that make sense? I can, I can, if, if fun is more important to me than God's agenda in the relationship, then it's bordering on idolatry. Um, sometime, what, what, about, what about loneliness? Some of us enter into relationships and we want to be deeply, deeply connected just because we want to alleviate our loneliness. Now, that's not necessarily by itself bad. Uh, all of us experience loneliness. We've been talking about we all want to alleviate that. But when the alleviation of loneliness gets more important to you than God's agenda in that relationship, it's bordering on idolatry and it's really dangerous for you and I. Because what are we going to do? What are we going to be tempted to do in that situation? We're going to be tempted to squelch our own integrity, our own honesty, for the sake of the relationship. All right? And, and then, again, we've got this problem of it's hindering us from keeping God's two big relational commands. Um, I, this one should be obvious, but it's not. Uh, sex. A lot of us enter into a deep connection for the sake of sex or in the hope of sex. And... Uh, Again, sex is a beautiful thing. God made it. It's his design, his idea. But he designed it for a very specific, narrow set of circumstances. Um, one man and one woman in a marital relationship, that is what sex is created for. And when we enter into sex for any other, in any other kind of situation, guess what? We're bordering on idolatry again. And, 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 and that's an idol that's really hard to break. Really, really hard to break. Some of us enter into relationships just to alleviate our boredom, don't we? Some of us enter into relationships because we're just so bored and we think that that relationship is going to alleviate our boredom. Well, again, by itself, that's fine, just like fun, but, but it can become an idol if it's more important than God's agenda. Now, the benefit of when you submit your um, relationships... Uh, to Jesus' lordship, when, when, you, uh, you know, when, when you bring the brokenness that's inside of you, the brokenness that's between you and others, the brokenness of the world, when you bring that to God, that shatteredness to God, he hands it back to you in a... Whoop. He hands it back to you. <laughs> You're not supposed to see this yet. <clears throat> there we go. He, he hands it back to you... Um, in, in a way that only he can heal because it's his relationship. It's, he owns it now. And when he owns it, then you know it's protected. You don't have to be, when, when you've entered into a relationship for any other motive besides serving him, 
you're, there's always going to be this gnawing anxiety because anything could take it away from you at any time, right? Some of you have experienced that where something has taken that relationship away from you and you've experienced that heartbreak, right? But when you give it to him and submit it to his lordship, he can hand it back to you, healed and hold, and he will protect it, all right? Um, the second thing I mean by this is that we are actually to, we are called to imitate Jesus' example in relationships. We're called to imitate Jesus' example in relationships. What does that mean? Imitate his example. Well, things like being more loving and loving the way he loved, self-sacrificially, the way he gave himself up, came down to earth for our sakes. That's the kind of... Imagine what would happen in, in relationships... In, in our disconnections, if we imitated Jesus' example of being more loving? Or what about humility? Imagine what would happen in our marriages. Imagine what would happen between siblings if we imitated Jesus' example of humility. What if we became more like Jesus in trustworthiness, dependability, consistency? Those sound really practical again. I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting away from the spiritual now, aren't I? getting into the practical. If Jesus was the most trustworthy, most dependable, most consistent being that's ever existed, what if, and and we're called to actually imitate that. What about, what if we imitated Jesus in his honesty? What if we imitated Jesus? You know, no matter what came at him from whatever side, Jesus was 100% uh, um, rooted in his own integrity And so even if it was an attack or a false praise, nothing could dissuade Jesus from following his father. What if we imitated that in our relationships? Or what if we imitated Jesus in his sexual purity? What would happen in our relationships if we imitated him in his sexual purity? Here's a big one, guys. What if we imitated Jesus in his vulnerability? Okay? Now, Vulnerability. Just think about what vulnerability does for a relationship. Actually, let's think of the opposite. What does invulnerability do to a relationship when you're just working on maintaining that image, when you're just working on uh, making sure other people see a, a certain projection of you, um, that, you uh, that you want to be seen, and nothing can penetrate that? What happens? Disconnection. The walls go up, don't they? The walls go up. But when we're vulnerable when we're vulnerable with each other, think about how that fosters connection. And nobody was more vulnerable than Jesus. Think about that. He was God himself. He was the living word of God, and he humbled himself, came down, became one of us. Now, he, when he became one of us, he could have become uh, the Roman emperor, the most powerful man on earth, You know, kicked Caesar Augustus off the throne, saying, I'm, I'm going to take over now, used his the Roman legions, to fight off the enemies of Israel. You know, he could have done all that stuff. He didn't. He became a vulnerable baby, exposed to all the risks and dangers of the world. He became a vulnerable baby. And he didn't, and even though he grew up, uh, he stayed vulnerable. He, the whole, his whole life, he never, uh, you know, had any money to speak of. Uh, His whole life, he had none of the things that he didn't have any status or a big name uh, that would have made him more invulnerable. 
Uh, in fact, one of the Old Testament prophecies about him in Isaiah 53 says that he wasn't even very handsome or good to look at. That means he didn't even have, you know, the kind of stuff that go, going for him that makes people think, you know, oh, yeah, I want to get to know him. Oh, he's really cool. Oh, I want to help him out. All right? So, uh, and then, of course, the most vulnerable of all, he died on the cross. It, naked, exposed to everything, and died for our sake and bled. No one became more vulnerable than Jesus, and he's calling us to imitate that vulnerability in our relationships. All right. The third thing I want to say, and the last thing, is look to this Jesus, your connection maker. So you have the power. All right. Let's go back to that, and we're not going back to that. All right. So I'll just say it. Look to Jesus. There there's, must be a delay here. Look to Jesus, your connection maker. You see, Jesus makes available to you and me supernatural power for healthy connections. He makes available to you and me supernatural power right from the throne of heaven itself, power for relationships. Um, in uh, John 17, listen to what Jesus prays for us, for our relationships. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. What is protecting our connectedness is nothing less than the name that is above every other name. The almighty power of God by which the whole universe came into being and by which the whole universe holds together is in the name of Jesus, and in his name, our relationships are protected. That is staggering when we think about that. So, because of this, you and I should ask Jesus for those relationship skills. We should just go to him and ask, because he wants them for us. We should ask God for that inner growth that we need so that we can have more capacity for relationships. We can go and ask him and he wants to give it to us. We should go to Jesus and ask him for healing of the brokenness, the inner healing, the outer healing, the healing between us. We can go to him and ask him for that. We can go to Jesus and ask him for help with those irritating and annoying people. We can. He can actually give us help for those people. He can give us help we, can, we should go to him and ask him for courage, especially the courage to be vulnerable, all right? Nothing takes more courage than to be vulnerable. We can go to him and ask him for help with that courage. We can ask him for wisdom. So many of our relationships, they, they've become disconnected because they get so complicated and confusing and difficult, but there's wisdom straight from the throne of God if we would ask him. There is wisdom, sorry, there is, there is grace that he wants to give us and we should ask for to tolerate the messiness of relationships. A lot of us are disconnected simply because we refuse to tolerate how messy a relationship can be. We get, we get closer, closer. Oh, there's mess. And then we're, oh, no closer. No much, not, not getting any closer than that. Jesus can actually supernaturally increase your tolerance of messiness in relationships. So we should ask him. Above all, we need to look to Jesus to be the total, our total satisfaction. 
If we look to Jesus to be our total satisfaction, listen to this, guys. If we look to him, first off, if we aren't totally satisfied in Jesus, first and foremost, then we will never get complete satisfaction in our relationships with one another. There's always going to be this kind of gnawing emptiness in our connections with others. The, the joys of those relationships are always going to be just a little bit beyond our reach if we don't find our total satisfaction in him. But if we are totally satisfied in him, we're always going to be satisfied in other people's relationships, even the irritating and annoying ones, because guess what? What we are really longing for in those connections, in those relationships, is Jesus himself. And so we're going to find Jesus even in those irritating people. We're going to find Jesus even in those annoying people. We're going to find Jesus even in those tough situations if we're totally satisfied in him. And the people who are satisfied in Jesus totally, they're able to give generously to other people because, and they're always able to give what the other people need because what the other people need is Jesus. So, so even if you don't have what it takes to make the relationship satisfying, that's great because guess who does? It's Jesus. And if you're oozing Jesus, then the relationship is going to have what it needs. But if you're not totally satisfied in Jesus, guess what you're going to ooze? You're going to ooze insecurity. You're going to ooze clinginess. You're going to ooze control. You're going you're to even ooze a willingness to squelch your integrity for the sake of staying in the relationship. But people who are satisfied in Jesus, they ooze and they radiate security, peace, calm, joy, all those things that are attractive and that draw people together. If the worship team could come on up and get ready for our, our, uh, final, our, our closing song here. If, you, if your relationships are hurting, then look to Jesus, the healer of the relationships. If your relationships have you in a confused and bewildering place, look to Jesus, the good shepherd, who will lead you to a better pasture in your relationship. If your relationship is in darkness, look to Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world. If your relationship is frightening to you or frightening to the other person, Look to Jesus, who in Psalm 46, verse 1, calls God our strong tower and a very present help in trouble. If your relationship is exhausting you, look to Jesus, who said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If, you're re if you don't have any strength left for some of those tough relationships, or even the easy relationships, look to Jesus, who said, I am the bread of life. Because if you consume Jesus, the secret manna, just like the Israelites, when they were wandering through the wilderness, when they ate the manna, they were nourished and strengthened for that day's uh, travel. Look to Jesus, who is the secret manna, who will give you the strength for that day's travel with other people. When your relationship is lost, or maybe you're lost in the relationship, look to the good shepherd who will leave the 99 sheep and go after the one that's lost. If your relationship is dead, or if you, you are dead in the relationship, look to the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. This, uh, this hymn that we're going to sing here, <clears throat> it's uh, hymn 244. 
And uh, Brenda's going to lead us in uh, this hymn. This is a meditation on the friendship of Jesus. The adequacy, the total adequacy, the total satisfaction we can experience in Jesus, our true friend. And when we find total satisfaction in him, that's when we can have satisfactory relationships with other people. So let, let this, the words of this, and, and this we're going to sing through all five uh, verses here. I know for some of you that's uh, going to get a little crazy here to go through all five verses, but the original author meant it as a, it was a poem, and there's a meaning if you follow the whole, the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> uh, this is a meditation on how Jesus, if you find satisfaction in him, then you will find satisfaction in other relationships. So thank you.